0: this is let your voice be heard right here on whcr 90.3 fm the voice of harlem good Good morning morning. and welcome to let your voice be heard right here on whcr 90.3 fm the voice of harlem Happy Sunday, everyone. I hope you guys are having a blessed weekend and a great Sunday. Um, Of course, this is Let Your Voice Be Heard, where we talk politics, social issues, and the detriment of Donald Trump every Sunday right here from 11 a.m. to 12 noon. Seriously, it's like, what else is there left to talk about, right? If we're not talking about Trump and his Twitter tirades and attacks and everything else that he's doing to ruin the country. So my name is. I know, sorry if I'm being a little hyperbolic, or maybe I'm not.
1: It's funny because it's true.
0: <laughs> yeah, seriously. Maybe, maybe I like. I think I'm being accurate. Uh, my name is Selena Hill. Of course, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Miss Selena Hill. Miss is spelled with an M S, and then Selena, and then Hill. And yes, I am sitting in Stanley's seat because Stanley is, I think, like campaigning in Riverdale right now. Um and
2: probably watching that's, us. That's what they call it these days. Yeah, th-
0: that's what sleeping in and being hungover is called these days. Campaigning canvassing in Riverdale. Canvassing. Yeah, <laughs> canvassing,
2: right. That's like can- when he makes fun of you for working right, at seriously. the Essence Fest. Yeah. I didn't
1: just- I didn't realize I spent so much of my life campaigning and canvassing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm seriously. doing that right now. Right.
0: That that's what they call it. Um so yeah. Anyway, um, whoa, well, big shout out to Deborah who is watching. Thank That's you. My mom. Yes, Alyssa's mom, hey, mom is watching us via What's Facebook up? Live. Speaking of Alyssa, do you want to introduce yourself? I do,
2: but first, I want to introduce my shirt. Oh, yes. This is my shirt. It says gays against electile dysfunction. dysfunction we yes. like Ivana White. <laughs> what, who is she? The chick on...
1: Ivana uh, White. Ivana yeah. White. Yeah. I was close.
2: Yeah, no, um, you got it. I called her Ivana White. I, you know, I keep getting confused. Ivanka? It must be that Russian thing. Seriously. Um, anyway, so I'm Alyssa Fuchs. I'm your political and legal correspondent and also your token gay. Um, <laughs> and you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Alyssa Fuchs with an I or on Twitter at Alyssa Fuchs, or on Instagram, Alyssa.Fuchs, you know, because i got to keep mixing it up a little bit here and there. And, of course, you can also leave a comment on the Politically Preposterous fan page. Or on the live stream, which is Facebook.com slash Let Your Voice Be Heard.
0: Absolutely. And before we introduce our special guest correspondent for the day, I want to give a shout out also to my cousin Alicia, who is watching and just put hearts. Thank you. Uh, Roland, who's also watching and we have a few other people watching Facebook Live. We appreciate you guys and make sure you leave those comments on our Facebook Live so that you can join and engage in our conversation. Chad, you're back.
1: Hi, how are you? Well. Good morning. Such a pleasure to be back. Glad to see you guys again.
0: We are very happy to have you back. Please introduce yourself for anyone who does not know or follow you on Facebook.
1: Well, my name is Chad R. McDonald, and I am an immigrant. (laughs) I am the scariest thing that Donald Trump (laughs) has ever seen if I were a uh, person of color and female and gay, so I guess. Do you I have guess... ca-
2: calves the size of watermelons? I have Isn't calves what... the
1: size of watermelons. Uh, <laughs> back in the day in the 90s in New York, this is a true story, I used to hang out at McSorley's Old Ale House, and the bartender used to call me Iceback because I'm Canadian.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah,
1: oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: Canadian A. <laughs> well, very happy to have you back. Tell people how they can follow you and all the pages that you run on Facebook.
1: Yeah, well, that's that's my big deal is uh, I run a lot of uh, Facebook fan pages. Uh, Chances are good you follow one of them. Uh, I cover everything from sports to politics to parenting to toy reviews. Oh, wow. Uh, I am best known probably for the good, the chat, and the ugly on Facebook, but I also run uh, large popular pages such as I Love to Wake Up in the Morning When Barack Obama Was President and We Hate Donald J. Trump, so you can probably sense a theme there.
0: (laughs) A little bit. A (laughs) little bit. And then, of
1: course, Yankees, Rangers, Giants. If you like any of those teams, you've probably seen my work, too.
0: Yes, and who are you? Well, I introduced myself already. I also wanted to say you're wearing a Captain America shirt, and you brought the shield.
1: That's my backpack, yeah. Oh! uh, When you work in web content and social media, you've got to have a handy-dandy carrying case that can protect your computer and all your electronic components. And what better than Captain America's shield?
0: Nothing. Nothing is better than that. So, guys, we have a great show lined up today. Uh, We're going to be talking about the midterm elections and why they are so crucial. Like, it's so important for us to make sure we get to the polls. And we're going to tell you exactly why, Um, because we're less than 100 days away, too, by the way. And but before we talk about that, there are a number of news stories. That happened over the week that we definitely want to get to as well. Um, So apparently Paul Ryan is Jewish. Apparently Pastor um, John Gray was sitting with President Trump, and there were. This is another another story.
2: North Carolina is trying to, you know prosecute people who voted when they were felons because they didn't know that they were felons. Um, the Net, Root, Net Roots Nation conference has been going on in Louisiana. Um, of course, we are getting close to the election. As Selena said, we're going to talk more about that. Um, there hasn't been so much in Russian news this week.
1: Well, uh, actually, bit, actually, I've got to say that Russia has made a move towards uh, a great deal of hope. They have assigned Steven Seagal. <laughs> As the envoy to improve U.S.-Russia relations. And let me tell you, Russia, this is your chance to get the whole world on your side. Get Steven Seagal to stop making movies.
2: And, and of course, um, <laughs> before we go to a break, we also want to send a happy birthday to President Barack Obama. Yesterday Yay. was his birthday. Yay. Of course, he's, like, our favorite president. Um, yep. And uh, he was also rated, like... On the top of the most popular presidents in modern times list, which also came out yesterday.
1: Illinois actually had an Obama Day initiated Uh, yesterday.
2: Yay, so yay Obama. Yes, yay Obama. Happy
0: fifty-seventh birthday. On that note, um we do have to take a quick break, but before we do, Alyssa will give you the phone number as well as the Twitter, as well as every way else that you can reach us.
2: Sure, you can call us at 212-650-6903. You can also leave us a comment at Facebook.com slash let your voice be heard on the live stream. You can tweet us at BeHerd underscore radio. We're also on Instagram, and that is at BeHerd underscore radio as well. So definitely leave us a comment or a question. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will be talking more about the news.
0: And we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Happy Sunday. And thank you guys so much for tuning in via Facebook live. Leave those comments and questions. Participate in this conversation because, of course, we want you to let your voice be heard. But if you happen to be listening via podcast, thank you so much. And please share this with your friends on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So, that being said, last night was actually the final night of this year's Net Roots conference. But this year, guess what happened? And, and if you guys aren't as familiar with the Net Roots Nation conference, this was the conference in which Bernie Sanders was infamously interrupted by a Black Lives Matter protester. Um, and, and then last year, they also had um, more disruptions where... People were literally chanting, believe black women. So this year, what happened, a small group of young protesters from the, and I hope I could say this on air, this is what their caucus is called. It's called the Black Ass Caucus took to the stage in protest. They said things like, we will no longer be tokenized by so-called white allies, allies. And then another protester, a young woman, she stood up and criticized progressives who speak about economics and class without mentioning race, right? So this all happened last night. It was trending on Twitter. We actually have the founder of the Black Ass Caucus on the line with us right now. We have Brittany Braxter, who is on the line with us. Good morning, Brittany
2: morning. Good
0: morning.
3: So I am co-founder with, also we have on the line, Alicia Calvin, who is from Louisiana, and Latwila Mathias, who is in the DMV with me. So we all actually got together to start the Black Ass Caucus because we realized that there was intentionally no space for black folks at Netroots. And Netroots is too expensive for us to come and not have a place where we can talk about things that matter to us.
0: Well, Ladies. yes. Well, welcome. Welcome to you all to let your voice be heard. And, and you know what? I'm so glad that you brought that up, Brittany, because like obviously we want to talk about why you started this. But, you know, when you say there was no space for for people of color, I actually read that Netroots Nation opened with five keynote speakers of color, including Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And the majority of the panelists and the presenters were people of color. So it sounds like they are opening up space to people of color and they share that same value that we have, that representation matters.
3: So so I'll say this, right? When it's nice to have black and brown people speaking, it's a completely other thing to actually like have rooms for black and brown folks to congregate and have spaces for black and brown folks to be in and to have access for black and brown folks to actually come to a conference to do things that make sense, right? Like, so Netroots is incredibly expensive, and the only reason I was able to go is because my job, GoPro Portrait, paid for me to go. There's no way I could have been, I would have been able to afford that on my own. Um, and when we looked at, when we walked around the conference, we recognized that it just really wasn't, it, re- it really was not designed with us in mind. I remember Twyla, look, Twyla and I were talking about um, a specific panel where, they were talking about building multiracial coalitions, and all of the panelists were older white men except for one. So there's just like this obtuse, com- like confusion about what it what it what it really looks like to be intersectional and to be inclusive, and what it looks like to play inclusive.
0: Brittany, great point, and and I just want to uh, have you really explain why. For why it's so important for um, there to be representation and, and people of color to be included, uh, specifically black folks, in the Netroots Nation conference? I mean, out of every other conference that's going on, uh, literally we had the NABJ conference going on this weekend. We had the National Urban League conference this weekend. Why was it so important for you to uh, go to the Netroots Nation conference and say, we need to have a voice? Um, so I feel like this is a
3: question that we should all answer. And I'll make it my response really quick. I went for work, and I spend a lot of time at progressive conferences, and I've seen conferences like Policy Summit in Chicago where they do it right, and they're much better about making spaces and being really intentional about it. And it only happened at Netroots because we were there, and we were just so over going to progressive conferences and listening to white liberals erase us and talk about issues that affect us and the reality is, like, if we're talking about anything, it hits black and brown folks first. So if the most marginalized people aren't talking, are at the face, are at the table making the decisions about how to solve a problem, then we have a problem. So so ladies, chime in, because I think I think we all feel the same way about this.
0: Yes, really briefly?
3: Yeah. Go ahead, Alicia. I could go after you. Hi. So, this is my first time at MetRoose, and I'm from Louisiana, um, so I had the pleasure in order to meet these young ladies here. The biggest thing about the space for black folks was to create to create that space which it would be organic. The whole point was to connect black folks so that we could amplify our voice and come up with a black-ass agenda. Because the way it looked for me the first time, I would not be would not being able to look at the, at the programming and see black folks in the space for black folks. We just had to take that space, make that space and show love to other black people and make sure they felt included. After all, it's Louisiana, and we're always going to show love.
0: And thank you so much for that. Unfortunately, that is all the time that we have, but we definitely appreciate you all for calling in uh, and co-founding the Black Ass Caucus and the work that you were doing on the ground there. Guys, continue to listen in. Um, we're going to actually keep things rolling but and continue to share and support Uh, Brittany, Alicia, and those who co-founded the Black Ass Caucus. Um, Alyssa?
2: Yeah, so speaking of the Black Ass Caucus, and one of the things that maybe... The Black Ass Caucus wants to get involved with working on is a really, really disturbing story that's coming out of North Carolina right now about how black and brown people are being jailed for illegal voting and actually charged with felonies uh, for committing a crime that they did not even know they were committing. So basically in North Carolina, if you've been convicted of a crime, you can vote, but you cannot vote when you are on parole or probation. However many people do not know that and so they go out and they register to vote um, even though they're still on probation or parole because they're not aware that they cannot vote until their sentence is completed and they believe once they are no longer incarcerated that that means that they complete their sentence even though they still have to complete some period of either probation or parole. Um, And so these people went out and registered to vote. Nobody told them they could not register. Um, They actually went and cast their ballots on the day of voting. Nobody told them that they were Ineligible to cast those ballots, and then thereafter, of course, a white district attorney decided he was going to prosecute these people. Um, there is nine of them that are now being charged with felonies, um, and this is uh, they are, if convicted, facing up to another two years in prison. Um, some people have said that this law should be changed to say that it, it is only illegal to vote while you're on probation and parole if you knowingly do it, meaning if you know you're not allowed to vote and you still do it. Um, but ultimately, number one. This should not even be a law to begin with. People who are on probation and parole should be able to vote. If, you know, actually, I personally think people who are incarcerated should be able to vote. Um, that's another show. We don't have time to get into that right now. But just to see that there is this crackdown now that it, they're literally going after black and brown people for voting illegally um, when they could, in theory, exercise prosecutorial discretion uh, and not be prosecuting these people for felony. Yet they are. Chad?
1: Let me just guess this. Um the, uh, the fellow doing the prosecuting on this case, is he Republican? Yes. is. What a shock. See, once again, we're seeing that uh, Republicans know that uh, black and brown people are not going to vote for them. So it's going to be an awful lot more convenient for Republicans if these people do not vote. And just the fact that they're going this far with it and actually now prosecuting and jailing people who are exercising a constitutional right, basically just shows that we're on yet another step to uh, authoritarianism.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, it's ridiculous the way they're discriminating against uh, people of color for simply executing their rights to vote. And honestly, I'm of the belief, even if you serve time, I still think that you should, you know, after you pay your dues, you should still be able to have a voice in our political democracy. Like, it's totally unfair. Um, But, you know, that being said, speaking of things that are unfair, did you guys see the response that um, Donald Trump had to LeBron James Mm -hmm. and Don Lemon last week? Like, he literally called Don Lemon the dumbest man on earth. And, like, he blasted LeBron James because LeBron James took a slight, At him, like he didn't even like directly call Trump out or criticize him. You know, when he said something so like,
2: yeah. Sorry to cut you off. When's the last time Donald Trump built a school? (laughs) When's the last time Donald Trump said that he was going to personally pay out of his foundation to make sure that every student that went to his school also had the money to get a college education? Because until Donald Trump is like, I built a school and I'm going to pay for kids to go to college, Donald Trump can kiss my butt and kiss LeBron's butt as far as I'm concerned. Well,
1: I mean, not only did LeBron uh, build a school, not only did he enlist uh, uh Children who are underprivileged to go to this school, he gave them bikes, he gave them bike helmets, he's providing them transportation, he's feeding them, he's giving them clothes, he's doing everything he can for these children. What's Trump doing? Trump is letting DeVos cut uh, funding from uh, predatory school loans uh, to to help people who were pray, who were preyed upon by predatory school loans. There, Obama, the Obama administration, put in assistance to help these students who were victimized by. Uh, uh, crooked lenders and DeVos is rolling that back, so we're seeing the exact opposite from Trump. And by the way, he's now attacked LeBron James. He's now called African countries s holes. He's now called what? What else has he done? He's uh, Obama with the birtherism. That was just he
2: said. All Mexicans are rapists. All Mexicans
1: are racist. But specifically, we're talking about black people. The the Central Park Five. The it goes on and on. He, his his back when he was still working with a daddy. He was <laughs> he was caught in multiple violations of excluding black people from being tenants of his building. Donald Trump is racist, and this is just another example of him being that way. I always get asked from Trump supporters, they message me and they're like, you know, oh, what is it about Donald Trump that's racist? If you can't figure out why Donald Trump is racist, it's because you're a racist. (laughs)
0: That's (laughs) true. But hey, Melania Trump actually is speaking out against Donald Trump, she submitted a statement through her spokesperson last night saying praising LeBron James, saying that she would actually visit his school in Ohio if she was invited and and she didn't say anything too much about Trump, but she's taking the side of LeBron. Guys, huh. what do
2: you think about that?
0: You
1: Melania know. is, no. Even uh, a broken clock is
2: right twice a day.
1: No, you know, Melania just visited uh, what did she visit? She visited a flood uh, zone one of the, in a
2: shirt that says she didn't care. Uh,
1: yeah, uh, she really doesn't care do you she's shown us who she is time and time again this Believe is just her th- exactly and donald trump has shown us time and time again who she is melania visited a detention center that wasn't actually one of the detention centers that they had separate ch- uh, they had the children separated from families at and Uh, and and said everything is fine and that's when she did the whole I don't really care do you thing. Melania is as fake as you can get and I really don't care what she says. Do you?
2: No, I don't. I don't. Actually, I just wanted to mention something because Chad mentioned in his last comments about Betsy DeVos and her student loan rollback. We actually talked about that at length on last week's show. That's correct, Rachel. So you should definitely check out last week's show if you didn't get a chance to listen to it. In addition to that I also did some what I'll call Let Your Voice Be Heard Overtime where I did Two live videos that were posted to our Facebook They were my follow-up thoughts On the student loan crisis So definitely check out last week's show Check out the overtime Um, I'd like to end the news roundup Sort of on a fun story Which is Paul Ryan is apparently part Jewish Like 3% Jewish But Basically, how this works out is: back in the day, somebody in Paul Ryan's German family, who were uh, was a German who was not a Jew, stupped somebody who was a German Jew, <laughs> and that's how Paul Ryan ended up to be something like three percent Jewish.
0: But Alyssa, as a Jewish American, are you like embrace of Paul Ryan now? Like,
2: what does this mean? It means nothing. <laughs> I mean, literally nothing. One. Uh, you know, Paul Ryan is like using this as, as like, oh, look at me. I'm like a little bit of Jewish now um, when, you know, like Paul Ryan's never been Jewish in his life. Um, I, I'm sorry.
1: It doesn't matter if you're 3 percent Jewish, if you're 97 percent evil.
2: <laughs> and, and you know, not for nothing, Judaism passes through the mother. So unless Paul Ryan's mother is Jewish. No, I'm kidding. I mean, <laughs> that's that's like the common wisdom. But obviously many people do not follow that. Um, you know, look. Just because Paul Ryan is 3% Jewish, as he said, doesn't make him any less evil, doesn't make me like him any more. Uh, when people show you who they are, believe them. Believe yeah, them.
0: and honestly, so it sounds like there's like an undercurrent theme. It's like these horrible Republicans, they try to say something that would be politically correct, like Melania, like, oh, I support LeBron, and Paul Ryan, like, you know what, I'm actually Jewish. But the thing is, if your politics and your policies are completely against uh, the majority of people or, major- or or marginalized people in this country, we're not going to side with you. That's just the bottom line. So that being said, we actually have to take a break, but don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're going to talk about the 2018 midterm election. We're less than 100 days away, and we definitely need to be as civically involved and engaged as possible. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard.
3: My friends, real
0: friends, better than you. And we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Again, my name is Selena Hill. I'm here with my co-host, Alyssa Fuchs, and our very special correspondent, Chad R. McDonald. That's me. Absolutely. And if you're wondering where Jackie and Stanley are, so Stanley is somewhere. Canvassing. canvassing. (laughs) And Jackie is preparing for her big wedding, um, which... We will all have the privilege to actually attend in California, God willing. So I'm looking forward to that. Okay, so where we left off, uh, we were talking about some of the things that happened in the week. But one of the biggest news stories or things that happened was basically the countdown to the 2018 midterm election. And there are a lot of high stakes in this year's midterm election. What's at stake? Well, for one, a Democratic takeover of either chamber of Congress would set off investigations into President Donald Trump and his personal finances, as well as members of his family and senior administrative officials. So, while some Democrats... Have been pressed to trying to get Donald Trump impeached. Uh, what would certainly happen is if we get more Democrats elected to either the Senate or the House, we can actually uh, push that to happen with subpoenas, uh, document requests, and public hearings, which would bog down his administration and and, st- and distract his agenda ahead of the 2020. Uh, election so guys this is very very important and if we all remember what happened in 2016 i mean how could we not how could we forget um we were blindsided it was a huge wake-up call and it showed how much elections matter they have consequences i mean we've talked about what happened with the supreme court on this show the fact that we have another justice who is conservative and who wants to reverse uh, uh legislation and laws on women's reproductive rights you know that's just one of many things that this um that these conservatives are trying to push and you know what if we don't vote and stop them they are going to continue to be successful all right so that being said i want to kick off this panel discussion uh, of simply asking why are midterms so important i mean chad if they didn't get it by now what would you tell people uh if they said you know why should i vote
1: well, I've written about this lots of times, about why the midterms are important. I remember back in 2014 when Obama was still president, and I could see the Republican rising up, and I could see um, how uh, apathetic Americans were and how they, you know, whatever, people, people don't care. Um, and I did, did my very best to get everyone to vote blue uh, uh, no one listened to me. Uh, uh, you know, uh, the donkey's head got chopped off and uh, the Republicans got uh, another uh, another toehold into our rights. Uh, it happened again in 2016. This time the Republicans had to cheat, of course. Um, Honestly, we all know that's what happened. The Republicans Republicans cheated. That's what they do. That's that's how they won this presidency. It's how they won the last presidency. Uh, And just as an aside, people are always asking me, when will Republicans find their conscience? When will they stand up to Donald Trump? They're not going to. Trump is giving the Republicans everything they want. They're never going to stand up to him because they're giving him what they want. Now, as for the midterms, um, not to be dramatic, but these are perhaps the most important midterms, at least in my lifetime, if not in American history so far. If uh, the, if the Democrats fail to win a majority, um, that's pretty much going to be game over, I think. Um,
2: game over. Alyssa, do you want to chime in there? I mean, look, I don't know if Democrats actually have a structural advantage to take back the Senate mm-hmm. right now. And that just may be like numerically speaking how it is. Um, but I do think that they have a clear chance to win back the House. And and I do think that this is a really, really important election. Um, I mean, starting with potentially trying to block a Supreme Court nomination. Um, now, it may turn out that Mitch McConnell pushes through the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh prior to the midterm elections. Uh, But if for some reason he cannot do it or Democrats have uh, some kind of way to obstruct that from happening or if Donald Trump shuts down the government over not getting border funding for his wall and therefore leads to a situation where the Republicans just are not able to get around to the nomination of brett kavanaugh to the supreme court then democrats have a real advantage right now in potentially winning back the the house but also if they can figure out a way to win back the senate or at least tie it evenly uh then they may be able to do something to you know torpedo the nomination of brett kavanaugh they may not be able to um but i mean that aside aside from the supreme court i think that we're right this is an extremely important election because this is going to determine whether or not donald trump can accomplish his agenda for The next two years. If you remember back, 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 back uh, to 2008 when President Obama got elected, for two years the Democrats basically controlled everything, which is the position Republicans are in now. And they were able to get a decent amount done. One of the main things they got done was this Obama signature achievement, the Affordable Care Act. After that, Obama basically lost all of his political capital. And in 2010, we had the rise of the Tea Party wave. And when the Tea Party wave happened, um, the Democrats lost Congress. We went back to having divided government. And Republicans basically obstructed the rest of Obama's agenda, um, not only through the next two years of his presidency, but through the four years after that. And so this is basically the, the Democrats' opportunity to do the very same thing to Trump.
1: Now, that's the thing, though, is um, the the most important caveat of what you just said, which I would absolutely agree with, is uh, where, I, where I would take exception is Kavanaugh. I think Kavanaugh is priority one with Republicans. I think they're going to jam him through. They don't care that they're being hypocrites. They don't care that uh, that they that they uh, that they're they're doing uh, the opposite of what they did with Obama. They don't care. Republicans do not care. They only want to win. They don't care how it looks. That's why they don't care about Trump. I think they're going to jam Kavanaugh through in September, and uh, with uh, the Supreme Court that heavily stacked. Democrats will be in real trouble even if they do take back the House.
0: Yeah, you, you know, but good point. And I know that there are a number of key races. Uh, really briefly, which races are you guys paying most attention to and which one should we be paying attention to in, in a few words?
2: I'm paying a lot of attention to the Cory Bush race in Missouri. Um, And multiple other races that are going on across the Midwest uh, where you see um, Democratic women, a lot of Democratic women running for office um, in districts where Republicans are most vulnerable. Um, I'm, I'm paying attention to local politics um, Obviously because I think all politics is local And I think it's really important we pay attention To our own races um, But right here in my own district which is New York 12 We're talking about a non-competitive race Where Carolyn Maloney is essentially guaranteed To win so when it comes to Expending time and energy and in some cases Money for me I'm looking to Potentially put my time energy and money Backing somebody um, that Is not New York that has a real Opportunity to win but it isn't a guarantee Like Carolyn Maloney is is here in New York 12?
1: So, with me, uh, obviously, I'm in a lot of the same situation Alyssa is. I'm, I'm here in New York uh, where it's, it's there's no danger of my representatives who I enjoy. I, I'm in Maloney's district as well. Uh, she's not going anywhere. Uh, and uh, so, with me, I look to the red states. Um, uh, as you know, I'm very involved in the gun violence prevention movement. So, I'm looking to uh, help uh, any. Any candidate out there who's against the NRA, who uh, is against uh, the GOP, well, (laughs) that's the same thing. If you're against the NRA, you're also against the GOP. You're also against Russia. You're also against Trump. But it's really important to focus in on red states where you can where you can see. you can get that blueberry in the sea of tomato sauce. Uh, but I think there's more blueberries this year than uh, than anyone's expecting.
2: And, and not just red states, red districts. I mean, all, uh, there's an article that came out uh, from the New York Times. We'll put it in the podcast. It's called 99 Days Till Midterm Elections and the Battleground is Changing. And uh, basically, it goes through a lot of different factors that and statistics that we don't really have a time to delve into right now. But one of the things that it mentions is that there are already polls that show that Democrats are ahead in Kentucky's six District, West Virginia's 3rd District, North Carolina's ninth nice District, New York 22, and Montana's at-large district. And these are districts that Donald Trump won by at least 10 points um, mm-hmm. in the last election. So, you know, if we we don't just like get into the red state, blue state thing, because when it comes down to congressional districts, we're literally talking about uh, swing districts. And, you know, I also wanted to point out, and I, I want to give Selena the opportunity to get in on this also, but, like, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was asked about this when she was down at Netroots Nation this week. And she said the swing voter isn't convincing the Republican to vote Democrat. It's convincing the non-voter to get out and vote. And I Mm -hmm. think she's really right there. And I think that's really what we should be doing is not just trying to convince Republicans who voted for Trump to come back to the Democrats, but trying to people convince people who stayed home to, to register to vote and come out and vote for Democrats.
0: No, you're absolutely right. Alyssa, I'm glad you brought that up as well. Democrats have been grappling with the decision on how to build a coalition, right? Should they prioritize winning back voters that they lost to Trump? Or should they attempt to woo people who are outside of, you know, that that their typical base, who happen to be of color, who happen to feel very disconnected from their party? But you know what? They are still very progressive uh, by nature. And the thing is, if you look at it, there were more African Americans and Latino voters during the 2012 election who did not come come out in the 2016 election. Whereas on the other hand, 65% of white voters came out in the 2016 election. So I'm of the belief that you know what we need to diversify and we need to we need to start getting other people in this party And I know, before we go on break I know we have a comment That Alyssa wants to read Yeah
2: so Marsha Denenberg says Midterms, vote blue, save America From Trump and the GOP They all must go and fast I think that's a good comment And um, on that note I think we're taking a quick break And when we come back We'll continue this conversation About the midterms This is WHCR 90.3 FM This is Let Your Voice Be Heard Radio And we will be right back
0: yeah, sometimes I- And we are back. This is let your voice be heard right here on WHCR ninety point three. I found the voice of Harlem. Thank you so much for hanging out to us, with us today. Especially if you are watching and leaving comments via Facebook Live, we appreciate you. But if you are a hardcore podcaster and you're listening to this a few days out uh, later, hey, we appreciate you as well. So where we left off, we were talking about the importance of the 2018 midterm election. If you are not already registered to vote, we cannot stress to you uh, to how important it is for you to get registered and make sure that you are involved in the next coming election we know it's not the election to vote trump out but you know what? We can elect officials who will represent us in our interests and who will push him out or at least stop his detrimental policies and legislation that he is trying to move forward. So a few days before Obama turned 57 years old, and yes, he does still look really good. Um, he actually endorsed like 80, uh, uh, Hundred. 80. D- 100 100 100 100. thank you he endorsed like 100 democrats in the midterm election so we definitely need to talk about that he's finally you know getting back involved in politics and we also need to talk about the fact that he did not endorse our fave
2: um alexandria ocasio courts has i mean did he need to though yes she's running that it. was
1: what i was i mean wondering. like
2: she's running i mean look I, I get where people are coming from like they they're like they don't understand why he endorsed so many people and not her but i also think from a practical perspective like she's running in a safe district it's like 99.9 percent chance that she's gonna win that seat in fact she's been out campaigning all over the country and trying for to help other, other, democrats. For other democrats because she is in such a safe seat in fact i don't even think people in new york know that there's a republican running for that seat right um so, you know, like, I can understand where, like, Obama wanted to throw his support behind people who really, really needed it. Like, one of the races that he endorsed was Anthony Delgado's race, which is actually where I think Stanley is working Canvassing today or one of the races he may Be working on um, and he's Running against John Faso and in, in a district that was really close Remember Zephyr Teachout actually who's running For attorney general in yeah. New York actually Ran against John Faso in the last election and Came pretty close to beating him um, And Delgado actually has a really good chance Of winning that seat um, and so the Question is, is, is you know should Obama Just endorse all Democrats um, Or is it really important for him to make sure he's Out on the ground endorsing the people that Are running against Republicans in close distance districts where he's really needed
0: well before we get your response to that chat i'll just say this i mean i get it um um Ocasio does not need Obama's endorsement but I feel like if he would have did that it would have just been like a rally for those who are on the the progressive left. Those who are like hardcore democratic socialists. Those who are like more left leaning. I feel like it would have like just rallied the base in general if he would have stood behind this 28 year old um, Latina girl Latina woman excuse me from the Bronx. Like I just want to see like I just want to see more like establishment Democrats get behind young radicals
1: all right so um i need to say before i continue with this that i really like ocasio cortez and um to uh build upon what Alyssa said i'm not sure that she needed obama's endorsement that would be sort of like superman endorsing wonder woman uh no she's fine there's no problem um she's also been uh, at the center of a firestorm. Uh, the right is really attacking her, and the media is sort of following along in a lot of places. They're calling her a radical. They're calling her a uh, socialist, going as far as commie, and they are just attacking, attacking, and attacking her. If Obama endorses her too, mm. um, that's really going to turn it around. Now, it needs it needs to be said that uh, uh, I released a meme last week about Ocasio, uh, Ocasio-Cortez, and it basically said, uh, all right. So you've got the one Republican from Nevada uh, who uh, was a brothel owner. And he's a Republican candidate. Then you've got Arthur Jones in Michigan, Michigan, who's a former leader of the American Nazi Party. And he's a Republican candidate. We just lost uh, Roy Moore. We just missed having him be in the Senate. Child molester, Republican candidate. But the media is calling Ocasio-Cortez a <laughs> radical. How does that work? Um There are some issues with uh, with Acacia Cortez, though, she she she's still a little green around the gills and she is she is tripped up a few times uh, in media appearances. I don't think it's a big problem. I think it's going to she's going to work that out Uh, for her to be this massive a star already at the very beginning of her political career bodes well. But Obama is a strategic thinker. He thinks the long game. His administration proved that. And if he didn't endorse Ocasio-Cortez, I think it's a combination of all of that. I think it's a combination of, A, she's just starting. Um, B, uh, it would make her a bigger target than ever. And C, he did not need to
0: you know what that's a great argument there i can't really say any uh, push back on that the next question i want to pose Alyssa, is okay we got the endorsements you know we're we're getting
2: more momentum around uh, around the midterm elections but can we really win i think we can i mean look there's been 42 open seats that have been um basically vacated because of republican retirements many of them are in well-entrenched well-entrenched incumbents that really would not have been able to be competed against but the district that those people Those incumbents were in Are competitive districts um, And so those retirements Are extremely valuable For Democrats Because Democrats Have actually succeeded Very well As we see with Arcasio cortez In recruiting Well-funded Strong candidates in a lot of places, some of which are not battlegrounds, but many of which are battlegrounds. And that usually lessens the advantage of incumbency. But because there is no comment now, we are now seeing a situation where you have a Democrat who's who's green running against basically a Republican that nobody knows Um, and then you also have the issue of gerrymandering which is going to come into play in certain places but you've had the court system in many places has now eliminated certain gerrymanders like in Pennsylvania for example so I think like there are still structural advantages and geographical advantages that favor Republicans Um, like for example there are only nine Republican held districts that voted more favorably for Democrats in the last two presidential elections than the rest of the country did but that advantage doesn't seem to really be helping Republicans in the past couple of election cycles and there was just another article that came out today in 538 about the gender gap and the gender gap they're saying is potentially going to be huge they said that in 2016 according to exit polls women voted for Hillary Clinton by 13 percentage points and men voted for Trump by 11 points um, and it was the 24% point gap it was the largest ever in the history of presidential exit polls Well, right now they just did a generic poll on the House races and they find that there is a 24 percent gender gap right now um, where male voters prefer Republican candidates by nine points and female voters prefer Democratic candidates by 15 points. And actually that gender gap is even growing and growing and growing. And so if this is correct, then 2018's midterm election is going to have the widest gender gap that has ever happened in a congressional election since the early 90s. Um, And so that is something that shows me me that Democrats really actually can win. Um, But that means they have to get people out to vote and they have to register people to vote who are have not voted before or have stopped voting. Um, They have to switch that non-voter into a voter, as I said earlier.
1: It also needs to be pointed out that with the gender gap from uh, the 2016 election, Hillary Clinton won that election. Republicans stole it. Right. So if the if the if that's what the gender gap was then in 2016 then that bodes very well for the midterms. There's a lot of anger out there. People are talking right now that, well, we can't make just hate Donald Trump the message. Yes, you can. Yes, you can, especially if you want to get people off the bench and into the game. Because as Bill Maher once said, and I've quoted this over and over again, the American voter does not vote to say thank you. The American voter votes to say F you. (laughs)
2: Right. I and
1: mean, we've seen that again and again and again. And that needs to be a factor in getting people out to the midterms. I see it in my own advocacy through social media. People don't respond to, wouldn't you like to help this be a better place? People respond to, look at this piece of crap. Do you want to do something about this or not? That's when you get people up off the bench.
0: You know, and I have a question about that because we see the outrage amongst our peers. We see, you know, every time Trump tweets, people are talking about it. But do you think that that's really going to motivate people to the polls, especially like those
2: people who were Bernie or bust, those people who are millennials of color? Do you see them coming out for the for the midterm election? Look, I'll say yes and no to that question. Yes, because right now, if you look at the generic congressional ballot, Democrats are currently ahead by 7.1 percentage points, 47.4 percent to 40.3 percent, according to last week's 538 average. At this time last week, Democrats were ahead by 8.2 points. So you're starting to see those numbers actually drop off a little bit. So... Yes, in the sense that Democrats are doing really well because people are so against Trump. But no, in the sense that Democrats cannot just ride on that alone. Democrats need to be getting out there and telling people what they are going to do for them. This is the biggest problem that I think Democrats have had in the last couple of election cycles. Democrats should put out a budget. They should say, this is our budget. This is what we would prioritize if we were in charge. Democrats should put out legislation for criminal justice reform. Democrats should put out legislation for holding Russia accountable for interfering in the election. Democrats should put out a whole host of proposed legislation and say, this is what you would be getting if you vote for us. And Democrats can run against Trump but they also need to tell people what they stand for and so I think that Democrats have a really good advantage but in the next 100 days or le- little less now than 100 days leading up to this this election Democrats nearly, really need to be telling other Democrats and people in this country what they're going to be voting for not just what they're going to be voting against
1: Absolutely, now that is a very good plan because this has not been a new issue with the Democrats for a long time the reason why Democrats have a hard time getting a, a, a solidified message together is because have you ever worked with Democrats? Have you ever worked with liberals to get the every, to get everyone to agree on anything? It's like herding cats everybody goes everyone's every every which way. Have you ever been on a Thursday night phone call? Look there's three of us here and and we can barely agree on uh, we're doing a good job right now and agreeing on stuff but whenever we talk about stuff off, off the air, there's a lot of a lot of back and forth and it takes us forever to work anything out. That's how typical people work. We don't just line up and attack. Right wingers do that, but we don't. And I know that because I see it on social media. Um, but another couple things just to build upon what Alyssa said. Remember the Parkland shooting? The media's completely forgotten about the Parkland shooting. Those kids, uh, David Hogg, uh, Emma Gonzalez, they're all heroes. Cameron Caskey, they are right now traveling the country getting young people registered and yep. voting. So once again, the gun control movement has really been the backbeat of a lot of this stuff. Uh, we're second maybe only to black women. Uh, it was great that we had Brittany on with the, the Black-ass Cognizant, because as far as I'm concerned, uh, black women are the spine of the Democrats. We, they are the people that we sh- that, that have been leading the way, and I think that should be absolutely represented. Um, and But anyway, so uh, yeah, I think the young people are getting voted. It's not getting reported because trump tweeted something but yeah Yeah. it looks good
0: really briefly in about 20 seconds or less what would you encourage people to do to get out there and vote how and what should we all be doing to take our country back Alyssa? i mean look vote and bring a friend to vote
1: Organize a dinner party. Organize a dinner party. Tell everyone you can't come to my party unless you've got a vote. Uh, fine like, Republicans get up early in the morning. They drive their family. They drive their friends to the polls. They go back and forth. We need to match that. Have a dinner party. Yeah, get everyone voting. Come back afterwards. Watch the results. And when it goes blue, clink the glasses.
0: Absolutely. And I'll just end by saying this. Uh, you know, I mentioned, you know, the 2016 election we are still feeling those ramifications. And whether you voted or not, whether you said, you know what, I'm going to have a protest vote and I'm not going to participate at all. Guess what? You, you feel the results of that just like I do. And I am I'm a strong believer that it's time for the Democratic Party to reach outward and make sure that we are no longer trying to follow that old traditional way of thinking that if we are centrist and moderate and almost right-leaning in strategy, we can bring back those Romney voters. No, that's not going to work. I think that we need to invest in communities of color, marginalized groups, and progressive white allies. And I think that we need to definitely talk about race more and more because... At the end of the day, racism is what's fueling so many of these policies, these xenophobic, anti-immigrant, anti-black policies. It's all because people are racist. And if you aren't a racist, then best believe you are the one. We are the ones who are feeling those ramifications. So if that is not motivation enough to get to the polls and to, and to win back this country, then I don't know what is. And if you're the one of those people who says, well, you know what? I don't have anyone that I can feel. I really believe in that would push me to go vote then be that person or elect a friend or a, somebody from your community a neighbor a leader you go find that person in your church in your synagogue in your temple find that person uh, can't help them campaign help them canvass, and get out the vote we have to basically our lives are on the line. With that being said, I just want to thank everyone who tuned in and chimed into today's conversation. We appreciate you. Thank you, Chad, for being a guest again.
1: My pleasure. Always happy to be here.
0: And make sure you guys support Let Your Voice Be Heard, specifically on our Patreon account. That's patreon.com slash Radio. Again, that's patreon.com slash Radio. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday, guys.